You're listening to The Whole Church Podcast. Our efforts to educate and unite the church are made possible thanks to our sponsors on Patreon. Please consider joining them for $3 a month at patreon.com forward slash the whole church podcast, where you'll get extra bonus content like our pet peeves segment, where we ask our guests about their pets and their peeves with the church. Ephesians 5 verses 15 through 21 in the Christian Standard Bible read, Pay careful attention, then, to how you walk, not as unwise people, but as wise, making the most of the time, because the days are evil. So don't be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is, and don't get drunk with wine, which leads to reckless living, but be filled by the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing and making music with your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another in the fear of Christ. In the letter to the Ephesians, St. Paul is writing to explain how the church should behave and what it means to be the church. Here, he lists the things that the church should do together. Dan Koch, how do you think doing these things listed together help to engender church unity? I'm going to take a very practical stance here because I'm a therapist And I think in practical terms a lot nowadays. So first of all, getting drunk does lead to reckless living. (laughs) Like that's not uh, that's not controversial. I think that there's a lot of reasons why, you know, certainly American Christians have sort of, you know, been more likely to include alcohol in our lives. You know, my church serves real wine for communion. I don't believe that alcohol is sinful to drink, but I also Uh, don't believe that it has no effect on my life, right? And so, um, you know, like that, let's just say that. And then the thing about, you know, speaking to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, right? Giving thanks to God. This stuff is, it engenders community. It, um, in the language of positive psychology, you could say it sort of has an eye toward flourishing. It has an eye toward gratitude and awe of sort of uh, making both meaning and sort of joy and happiness out of gratitude for for the gifts that we do receive as human beings who get to walk this earth together. And so at a practical level, I think, yeah, I mean, it, it shouldn't be all that controversial. I think that if you get into teetotaling, I think that that can be missing the point. Um, and, uh, Maybe one one last sort of connection here is like being someone who who researches spiritual abuse and and whose podcast often reaches people who have you know church trauma, spiritual trauma, church hurt, whatever uh-huh. uh, the, any whatever category you want to use. When people are unable to do these things in a community of faith for whatever reason, whether that's traumatic or simply they're not accepted because their beliefs had changed and and their church can't hold together the kind of unity you guys are are uh, working toward, that's a shame <laughs> because being able to do these things with each other is good for us. Uh, it's good for us individually. It's good for us socially. It's good for our spiritual lives. Um, yeah, that's kind of my take. Yeah, yeah, man, good stuff. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Whole Church Podcast. Um, Probably one of your favorite Church Unity podcasts, if you're listening. Um, Today is a fun, special episode. Uh, One of my favorite Christian podcasters out there, Dan Koch of You Have Permission, has joined us. Um, We're going to be talking about his podcast. We're going to be talking about what it means to be the church. What are some of our different views of what it means to even have church unity? Because if we're defining church and some of these other things differently, then we might mean something different by that term. Really excited to do that. Um, Dan has, you know, I mentioned he does that podcast. He's another pretty good vibrations podcast. Um, He's studying to be a psychologist. I know he's got a bunch of letters and different things behind his name and um, been in the Bible world for a while. Um, Dan, what, what am I missing? What am I missing? Good to have you. <laughs> Thank you. I, I'll just say I've, I've fully decided internally that pretty good vibrations is, is a full on just hobby for me. <laughs> but if you, if you love pop and rock music, especially if you're like a child of the nineties or spend any time in like the emo world or whatever, then you might really enjoy it, but no pressure. You have permission is definitely the kind of the main, the main gig. Um, yeah, I have a master's in counseling psychology, working toward a doctorate. 
Um, I would, I would slightly quibble. I don't have a lot of Bible experience. My expertise is more in psychology of religion. Um, okay. Biblical, uh, biblical podcasts abound, and you have permission is not one of them. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I think you, I think you covered it. Yeah. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> well, I will say this actually. I'll say this because because of the sort of theme of unity. Before I was podcasting at you have permission, I did a show for a while called Depolarize. Um, in the wake of Trump's election, where I was sort of oh. trying to understand political, socio-political and religious polarization and really kind of combat polarization in that respect. And that thread has maintained into You Have Permission. I do uh, two different series of episodes occasionally, one called I Don't Believe in That God, where I talk with someone who is not religious or not Christian and sort mm-hmm. of try and find what do we agree on? What do we disagree on? sort of common ground. And then I have one called Worries About Progressive Christianity, where I talk with people who are more conservative than I am theologically mm. or sociopolitically and try and find common ground there and, and explicate where we agree and disagree uh, so that people can kind of help find themselves and yep. find language for where they're at. But also because I, I just am, I think I'm kind of like a bridge builder, peacemaker by, I don't know, by personality type, by calling, yeah. whatever you want to call it. I'm just really interested in that. And I have very little patience for tribalism and us, them, and all that kind of thing. So yeah. that's probably the the further connection I'd draw. Yeah. Yeah. I relate. I relate. Also, speaking of things people might be worried about, they may be worried that I'm doing this alone, but I'm not. I'm not. I am joined by the greatest co-host to to ever ever be thought of. He he's so great at so many things. Um, it, it actually takes a direct move of God to convince him to stop playing ping pong and defeating his opponents long enough to join us. But he's here, the one and only TJ Tiberius Juan Blackwell. Welcome back to your show. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> that never never gets old. Never gets old. No matter how big the buildup. It's just things. And yeah. I am Joshua Null. If you didn't catch on or clicked this podcast somehow and didn't read anything about it, that's who I am. I'm Joshua Null. Um, biblical studies degree from North Greenville University, working towards law school, seminary, different stuff like that. But basically just a guy who cares about church unity and uh, here with DJ. Yeah. And check out the Onazal Ministries podcast network. Um, we've got a bunch of shows on there, a couple shows like this. Uh, you can also... Uh, get a paid subscription on Apple Podcasts, and you get all the extra content from all of the shows. Pretty, pretty good stuff. Uh, check out the Honest Out Ministries podcast YouTube for videos of this shows and others, and rate and review our show on Podchaser or Apple Podcasts slash Spotify uh, for uh, maybe a chance to win a gift card or something. Who knows? Yeah. Maybe I'll Mostly go through there don't. and just choose somebody. That'd be pretty funny. Maybe. This guy, he seems cool. No guarantee. <laughs> yeah. Not like a raffle, just TJ will pick. <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, yeah. So that being said, I uh, I do have a favorite form of unity, Dan. Um, Do you prefer Dan or Mr. Coke or doesn't matter? Oh, Dan, please. Okay. Yes. Cool. I, I figured, but then I was like, you know, I should ask. So, I'm, a, I'm a former punk rocker, man. I mean, I can't, <laughs> you know. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Well, my favorite form of unity um, involves a spiritual practice we do on the show of silliness. Um, I firmly believe that just being goofy is like the ultimate thing that engenders unity. Uh, no one has watched a silly song with Larry and hated their brother for it. I don't think probably true. They probably have. I don't know. But today yeah. we're going to go with a silly question and we'll start. Give you time to think about it. What is the worst song you can think of to include in an action films soundtrack? I don't remember writing this question, so I'm going to throw it to TJ first so that I have time to think. Yeah, I think this was divine inspiration. There's no way even you could write a question with so <laughs> many different answers. <laughs> like, 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 I guess the possibilities are truly endless here. But legitimately, almost you know what? I'm going to pick the dumbest answer ever because I was talking about this song earlier. I don't remember the name of the song. Oh, but uh, cool. Doja Cat sings a song about how she's not a cat. She is a cow. Moo. I'm yeah, going to pick that. There's, there's just no way that that would ever fit an action film. Not a serious one anyway. Maybe yeah, a, a new Green Hornet or something. It's called Moo? Yeah. Perfect. Yeah, that. I'm picking that one. Just goofy. Just really piling on the silly here. Yeah, I can see it in my head, though. 
They're yeah. in disguise as cows. Of course you could see it in your head. You it know, could be in a, an action sequence in an animated children's film. It might actually really work there. All right. I, I'm oh, going to change my answer then. I'm going to change mine then. Uh, where is my hairbrush? By Larry, the cucumber. I can't think, like, if there's a if there's an instance where that works, then I give up. <laughs> yeah, that's tough. Maybe yeah. I'm destined to be a director, but I can see it. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> All right, TJ, what, what is your answer? Uh, I'm going to go with Calm Down Fon by uh, Curie Pirat. Mm-hmm. Uh, sure. Quebecois artist. Uh, it's French song about uh, being in a love triangle. I'm just going to have to take your word for this one. I'm sure you've made me listen to it, but my brain doesn't like hear French and then immediately like associate it because I just don't know French yeah. that well. Yeah, it just doesn't. It just wouldn't work. I I, re- I wish that you hadn't mentioned VeggieTales so much because it's kind of scooping the, the <laughs> humor here. But you know how there was that meme going around where it was like the like the rawest footage you could find, like, you know, a slam dance pit or whatever with the VeggieTales theme song. No, and that was going around. If you like to I talk to that. tomatoes. So that was that's my pick. And I, I, I swear I thought of that before <laughs> you made two or three mentions of VeggieTales leading up. I wish I had gone first, man. I, I should oh, have offered, man. but that's my man. pick. Back yeah, I don't know answer. what he's on today. Where's Gary from SpongeBob? It's all like children's yeah. songs. Yeah, those, those that, are usually yeah. the ones that in my head are like that. That makes the least amount of sense here. Yeah, I feel like those would have to be disqualified, though, for this to be a real question, because like you, the whole Coco Melon catalog doesn't belong in an action. Right. Right. Yeah. All great answers, though. I just wanted to see what the funniest answer we could come up with was. Well, Probably like before we jump them. into into the meat of today's talk. Uh, would you mind filling our listeners in on your story, Dan, uh, what you do and what your relationship to the church has been? Yeah, I'll I'll be as brief as possible. I, w- I was raised what I call moderate California evangelical. So Bay Area of California, not Southern Baptist, not Midwest frozen chosen, you know, like a little bit of yeah. vineyard influence, but mostly just kind of your your middle of the road, non-denominational type of a thing. I went to evangelical junior high and high school in sixth grade. Uh, in After college or partway through college, I dropped out to play in a touring rock band called Sherwood for about a decade. Nice. Moved up to Seattle, finished up my philosophy degree, uh, became a commercial composer, and pretty soon thereafter started podcasting around politics and theology and, and all of that kind of thing, the, the stuff that interests me. I'd also been interested in theology all of those years on tour and, you know, philosophy degree kind of makes sense. So just kind of, just kind of wired that way. 2016 election had me asking uh, pretty profound questions about the community that had raised me. And I came across a book called The Righteous Mind by Jonathan Haidt, psychologist out of NYU. And I, I just, it was like, opened up a world to me. I was like, oh, these are the questions that I'm asking. And these are the tools that you use to answer those questions. They are less theological and they are more psychological, sociological, however you want to call it. And eventually through some other things that led to me pursuing a psychology doctorate and uh, you have permission. Uh, My podcast has taken kind of more and more of a psychological lens. It certainly comes up at some point, probably every episode, but is not necessarily the focus of the topic of the episode every week, maybe every two or three episodes is is explicitly psychological. Um, my relationship with the church, you know, on I had a kind of a weird 20s because I was on tour, so couldn't go to church. There Nobody was doing Facebook church. I mean, I'm sure there was like televangelism or whatever I could have. <laughs> yeah. Theoretically, I, I would sometimes listen to podcasts or like website recordings like from Rob Bell's early church or whatever when he was uh, still an evangelical pastor like I would download those to my like brick iPod back in the day and so I kept like some some connections and then my wife and I attended a, a Presbyterian church in America a PCA church in Seattle that was a little bit more uh, a little less conservative especially on like racial issues and a little less conservative on gender issues we attended that for 10 years or so Left four years ago, around the time I started, four and a half years ago, around the time I started, you have permission, too much cognitive dissonance. Uh, something that's going to become clear is that I'm I'm pretty theologically liberal, 
I am sociopolitically kind of center left. I'm quite moderate. Um, but, you know, just fair warning. Uh, so, some <laughs> of your listeners will not find me convincing. And that's that's fine. That's life. Um, but actually have resumed going to that church. And a major impetus for that was making sure my son had somewhere to start having good Sunday school experiences. That's something that's important to me and my wife. Um, and I have actually, that church has now changed. They are now an Anglican church, um, no longer Presbyterian. Uh, and I have been very pleasantly surprised with how much I've been enjoying it. I, I really thought I would be kind of half enjoying, half biding my time, but there for my son. And I have actually really had a, a pretty great experience and, and been pleasantly surprised. Yeah. We made friends with a lot of Anglican ministers doing the mm -hmm. show and yeah, it, it's fascinating stuff. Now, one thing I really like, I, I think it's in your intro even for You Have Permission. You you mentioned how even though you're more yeah. left side, you want it to be a place that's safe for everyone to come to and you have permission to kind of wrestle with these questions and beliefs. It's a yeah. really good show for those listening. You don't need to be afraid if you're on the more right side of things. He very much makes it an approachable and just thoughtful show, I think. So, I try. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. So you've, you've been through, gone through the effort to create, you have permission where it's, you know, encourage people from every side of the political spectrum and the religious spectrum to question their own beliefs, you know, be different, ask big questions. And uh, what was your initial motivation to create the show? I think that what I realized was there's a lot of gatekeeping of information that goes on, especially in more conservative spaces. Mm -hmm. So in, in that sense, there's a market for it. I don't mean that in financial terms. I mean it in like, oh, there are a bunch of us who could use resources here and myself included. You know, like I remember uh, the first time I got to know the theologian uh, Thomas J. Ord. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And on the show recently. Okay, okay, rad. Yeah. So Tom, Tom's a friend now, but I remember like the, hanging out with him around that time, you know, 2015, 2016, something like that, 2017 maybe. And just being like, whoa, this guy is obviously loves God, is like very obviously a person living out a Christian life using Christian language to talk about it. And yet has these, you know, progressive theological beliefs, but like Tom doesn't drink. He doesn't swear. He doesn't like, I was in a rock band. All my friends have tattoos. We drink and swear, you know, like it, he's not that it, it, he's, he's very clearly sort of one of the Christian guys, um, yeah. but had these beliefs. And I was like, wow. And I, and it felt so calming and kind of reassuring that like, for me to have had these more. Uh, theologically liberal intuitions um, throughout, you know, from college undergrad on, I was like, oh, okay. And, you know, there were some other shows doing this. The Deconstructionists had already started. Liturgists had started. Um, there were a handful of shows. And I thought, well, I think I could do this too. Of course, Tripp's um, Homebrew mm -hmm. Christianity had already been going for a long time at that point. Naturally. And he was kind of a, a mentor early on. But I just thought, yeah, like – we, we just need to be these – basically the, the tagline in the intro is oh, people have these really big questions. They come up naturally. Not everybody asks them, but a lot of people do. Mm -hmm. And then if you're in a – you're often in a group where people will give you well-intentioned but bad answers to those questions or worse, they yeah. will tell you we don't ask those questions around here. Where do you go <laughs> yeah. if that happens? And you know that certainly had been my experience, but less so. Like I said, I, it was a pretty moderate experience. Uh, I can imagine how much more kind of humidity and barometric pressure is kind of weighing down on people in other circumstances. Oh, yeah. And I knew how to use audio. So I thought, let's do a podcast <laughs> about it. Yeah. I mean, it makes sense yeah. to me. Yeah, I, at this I, point, uh, I feel like Trip just had like the first podcast. Yeah. It really starts to seem that way after a while. <laughs> <laughs> the first ever podcast. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Whenever we write the podcast battle Bible, that's going to be Adam. <laughs> yeah. Adam is, is yeah. homebrew Christianity. Yeah. 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 I, um, yeah, you know, what's funny is you, you're talking about like the big questions and like unsatisfying answers. I think that's Dr. Ord's biggest criticism of me is <laughs> I'm a big fan of mystery and using the mystery language and he mm -hmm. does not like that. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, that's not yeah, a real I, answer. Yeah. He, well, he's, he's a, a, he's a, 
he's a th- theologian, really a philosopher. I mean, depending on where you want to draw the line there, the yeah. kind of the kind of theology he does is basically philosophical theology, you yeah. know, problem of evil type stuff. And and Tom wants to have like uh, a coherent sense oh, yeah. of how things work. He could be wrong about it, but he wants it to be consistent and coherent. And I think that I mean, I, I totally understand that. I actually think that oh, yeah. probably if more if more of us had that, that would be better. Um, my, my approach is a bit more experiential and, you know, obviously becoming a therapist and kind of leaning that way makes sense. <laughs> and I'm a little less worried about having that coherent view. Um, but I think especially for people who are either geared that way, sort of personality wise, or people who are having to reestablish an identity as their old ones, not working anymore, then it can be, it can get all the way to necessary to have something consistent and coherent so that you're not adrift essentially. And so I, I love that Tom works toward that consistently toward something coherent and consistent. Uh, And then you can quibble, you know, with his various (laughs) premises and, and that's fine. Yeah. To uh, kind of wrap up the, the (laughs) Tom Ord love session here, we, um, we, are doing another thing with him coming up in June. He's going to be talking with us some about um, – because we touched on this the last time he was on, this idea of if we can disagree in our theology and then do something practical together still. Specifically, I think we were talking about like the LGBTQ community, how mm-hmm. we have different ideas of what it means to love them. Can we still practically be in unity? So that will be interesting conversation yeah, that comes up in June. Question. Yeah. Also, good month for that, June, now that I think about it. Um, but yeah, no, I, it's funny for me – the whole mystery thing. I, I understand why people find the coherency thing a lot more attractive. I think when I allowed myself to kind of see God more as something that's not comprehensive as something bigger than me, it's just enhanced my own worship and interaction with the divine. And I'm like, that for me is yeah. beautiful, but that's not what everybody needs. And I get that. So, well, and yeah. I think you could also delineate between my view of things is internally consistent and coherent Mm-hmm. around God versus I have a lockdown description of God that it, that must be accurate, right? So I think yeah. that what Tom would want to say is like, he could totally be wrong and he doesn't have any sort of certainty about it. But to the extent that he can explain what he believes, he wants that to be internally consistent, right? And so if he says God can't act in these certain ways, then he needs to follow that through to its logical conclusion and not basically have it both ways kind of a thing. Yeah. Which I think is is different than saying um, the kind of need for certainty that we can sometimes find ourselves with where it isn't actually, it's not about internal consistency. It's like, no, no, I, I won't feel okay unless I can say that I know what the God of the universe is like without a doubt. Yeah. And then in that case, you know, the antidote is mystery. You, you, ha- you need <laughs> some mystery in your life, sir or ma'am. That's yeah. not going to treat you well. Um, but internal consistency, I think, is, is, could be separated out. Yeah. No, I like that. I like that. Man, we could probably do a whole podcast about Tom Ord. <laughs> let's but move on. Let's, he had plenty uh, of people talking about him. <laughs> yeah. In case he listens, you know, we don't want him to get full of himself. <laughs> I, I did for for a, a big piece of today's episode is going to be a little bit different than usual. We're going to go off script, something I'm not usually comfortable doing as a, someone who's ADHD and tend to go on tangents about Tom Ward or whatever else, you know, so – But uh, I thought to talk about church unity, I know there was an episode you did on You Have Permission where the idea of what church is came up. I don't know if it was directly or not, but I kind of just realized, okay, some of these people mean different things by church. And I know that happens Mm -hmm. often, but I thought it would be an interesting conversation for us to have around church unity. Um, So I asked all three of us to write one sentence definitions for five different terms. um, And I didn't write them down. (laughs) I don't know if any of us did. None of us wrote them down. We're just going to give one-sentence answers because we didn't write it down. It's fine. <laughs> I'm going to attempt um, to give a one-sentence answer, but yeah, I sometimes yeah. struggle with brevity. Yeah, I will certainly succeed. Yeah, TJ will definitely succeed. Um, so, TJ, do you think it would be easier to go one definition at a time through all three of us or each of us do all five and then talk? I think I think it would be easier to do one at a time. Yeah, so and we all define church and then – track of. Okay, yeah, okay. Then um, I'll start with church. 
how do we define church? For me, this is a difficult one. They're all difficult ones because I think too long about things. Um, I'll say that church is the unified spirit of all creatures in harmony with God. Semicolon. The church is the body of Christ, those doing God's will on earth, both today and in the past and in the future, if that exists, which I'm iffy about the future existing. So, TJ. The church is God's people living for God's glory. That's nice and succinct. Yeah. Yeah. I I knew that was going to (laughs) happen. Yeah. Um, I I would just, again, I'm going to probably approach this stuff pretty practically and and almost therapist-like. I think of the church as you know, basically the people who self-identify as living out a Christian life together. Um, and, and that like my view of who is God's people is bigger than the church. The church is a subset and that has to do with, you know, includes kind of our own self-definition and, and choices. Okay. So when you say church, when you say God's people, you mean two different things, but with my definition being this unified spirit of people in God, that's just all one thing for me. Okay. Yeah. So that, okay. I could see that trap. I'm, I'm just kind of like pinpointing yeah. what we need to look out for when we have these conversations here in a minute. Okay. So next is unity. Actually, I think this one might be pretty uh, direct for me. Um, unity is when people are in one mind in agreement about a thing without having to be of the same opinions. If that makes sense. Mm. Yeah. What's the difference between of one mind and of one opinion. Yeah. I was just realizing that like that sounded weird. I I think it's of maybe of one mission. If that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to say people who are of one mission. That's my definition then. Yeah. TJ. Uh, Unity is a uh, cross platform game development engine. uh, Pretty popular (laughs) for indie games. Uh, Oh, okay. (laughs) Yeah. No, uh, Unity. My answer was, is what Unity is. Being united, I guess, is cheating to say that in the answer, but yeah. in one mission. Hmm. Yeah. We have the okay. same goal. Yeah. Maybe just to something like, you know, it's the ability to, to major on the majors and minor on the minors, I think. Maybe that's more of a prerequisite for unity. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's basically an ability to sort of like put a pin in some stuff for the sake of other stuff. And I mean, I like other it. than you, you can get a kind of unity with really homogenous groups. But I think the type that you guys are interested in that I'm interested in, is a non-homogenous group unity, right? People who actually have differences, nonetheless being able to work together around common cause. Mm-hmm. Okay. Sounds like we're all pretty much on the same yeah, page. Not too one. much different. Yeah. Not too much different. Yeah, I like that. Oh man, here's a hard one. God, <laughs> how do we define God? Oh, um, TJ is definitely going to beat me. Mine's going to be, I'm going to have to use another semicolon. Okay, here we go. God is the creator of all things, the atonement for all things, and the life that pervades all things. Semicolon, God is love. All right, TJ. Uh, God is everything. God is the one of all. Is everything or is in everything? Both. Okay. Uh, I mean, this is like, like if you want to go sort of traditional terminology, like, if I have to pick a camp, I'm like a panentheist at the moment. So the entire universe is within God, but God is also more than the universe. I tend to think of God as like two things. Number one, whatever it takes to create, tweak all the gravitational constants and all that stuff to to have a universe, to use physics language. <laughs> and also God is sort of the ever-present reality that is available to people through spiritual practice of any kind okay okay seems like we're, we're pretty close y'all both of you might have a more intimate focus than mine but it seems like it's pretty much the same close to the same anyway i also feel like a description of god is almost Impossible. definitely above yeah. my pay grade yeah <laughs> same. i'm not getting i think we all anything, feel that way so. <laughs> yeah i'm just yeah. glad someone said that part out loud too yeah, yeah. none of us are really qualified or TJ and I, at least, definitely aren't qualified to answer any of these. You have a degree. We're just going to do it anyway. I have, I have a master's degree in psychology. That's not going to help me define <laughs> he God. He has a degree. Oh, <laughs> he has a degree. Bible he has degree. a Bible degree. Well, then that assumes that the Bible accurately uh, describes uh, God. And yeah. Then TJ. if you have that <laughs> jump, then you can maybe. Yeah. Okay, here we go. Salvation. Man, I really wish I wasn't going first for this one. 
You don't have um, to go first. Yes, he okay. does. No, he okay. said I don't have to. <laughs> Oh, okay. Let me think. I Salvation can't if you is, want. man, I'm going to use more evangelical language than I typically like to. I don't like to be put in a camp, but salvation, salvation is, is when you speak in tongues. Yeah. No, <laughs> salvation is when you die to yourself and the selfish nature that we have to be transformed into harmony with God's spirit, which is love. Yeah, I'm going with that. Okay, TJ. Yep. Uh, salvation is the preservation of your spirit through his grace. Mm. Mm. Great economy of words, TJ. Um, I'm going to say salvation is what happens when God put thing, God puts things right. And we, parentheses, we are <laughs> generally participating in that putting things right. But mm. hopefully after we are dead, God puts other things right without really much help from us. Because that's the kind of stuff that creates universes. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I also see this is why this one's so hard. I also think salvation is uh, becoming one with uh, God's people or the church, and then you know the church goes to heaven. You're not saved personally and individually going to heaven by yourself. Mm, right. Oh man. But you know, there's that whole vine allegory. There's a bunch of salvation allegories that, that tend to kind of have more of a picture of a collective than a singular, but. That's just my take on that. That might come up later. I doubt it, but maybe. Um, actually, no, we're talking about church unity. There's a strong chance that comes up. Okay, good. What does it good mean? <laughs> I would say anything that provides more love than hate or enables others to love or feel loved in return. Yeah. TJ. This this is actually the hardest one, I think. <laughs> You know, my yeah. first day of my first philosophy class as an undergraduate, the professor wrote the word good on the board and asked us to define it and watched us all chase our tails <laughs> for 45 minutes. Yeah. Yeah. This is the ultimate question of, <laughs> of moral philosophy and maybe really most philosophy. It's This is the hardest question maybe to answer in human language. Yeah. So, yeah, so do it uh, in a sentence, TJ. <laughs> yeah, no, no problem. Just one sentence. <laughs> hardest, hardest definition there is. <laughs> well, good is anything that is not inherently bad, which I was not asked to define. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I like the cop. Okay, <laughs> privation. Uh, okay, good is. I don't know. We call That's good things that line up with God's just flourishing, beautiful intentions for the universe. Something mm -hmm. like that. That's kind of a cop out. Yeah. I like that too, though. Okay, cool. So then <laughs> with all definitions in mind, um, just kind of off script for a bit. How do we have church unity and what is church unity? Let's start with what is church unity? Yeah. Um, uh, Dan. What is church? Oh, okay. TJ has something. <laughs> you know, Dan's the guest. Yeah, but you speak so seldomly. I'm just intrigued. Yeah, let's get TJ on there. Oh, church unity is when the non-church goer, the, the non-Christians, can tell that God's church is trying to accomplish the same thing. Hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, in other words, it will never exist. <laughs> That's that might be a little bit. Yeah, I mean, well, I'll tell you what I don't like about that, TJ. Not that I don't like where you're coming from, but there's like almost like a PR consequence angle there of like, <laughs> in order for that to happen, then the media has to like cover it a certain way because that's a big part of what we think is going on. Um, like, or you have to say that we do such a good job as the church that there's no way for the, yep. I mean, and, and then that's where I would say, oh, that, that is certainly not going to happen then if that's the thing. Right. So it's, it's all this push and pull of, of, I don't know. I, I wouldn't want it to rest on the perception of people, I guess is what I'm saying, because mm -hmm. our perceptions are bad a lot of times and they are formed, you know, very rarely by evidence. Uh, you know, sometimes they're, aligned with reality oftentimes not kind of depends on what we're paying attention to you know our stories our current emotional states these are all things that affect our perception mm -hmm. so i don't know i i would be a little bit hesitant to to ground it in that that's my gentle pushback mm -hmm. that's Maybe. understandable 
I'll do some of my take and see if I can get a pushback. Yeah. Well, I, I just I think if if we shoot for the moon and yeah. we miss, we land among the stars. There you go. Because that yeah. saying was come up with before we knew what Should gravity be, did. Yeah, 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 yeah. Maybe hit the moon. <laughs> yeah. Um. So for me, I think I'm going to start with something absurd. I, I think any definition of church unity that doesn't that's possible without a supernatural act falls short because when Jesus prays for his followers to be one, he prays that if they be one as him and the father are one, which given my view of the Trinity is, yeah, they're one. Uh, And I think that the fact that so many people in the Bible say that that's what should be attractive about the church is people should look at it and be like, how is that even possible? You know, that's what is our testimony, not, you know, some good sermon, some good points or arguments we're able to make. So I, I think it needs to be people who of radically different opinions come together in a supernatural way for the mission of love. I think that might be how I would define it. How do people particip- choose to participate in something supernatural? Well, you got to work with the divine. <laughs> okay. That's but where these are, where but I these are predictable. To Thomas kind of stuff. <laughs> are these predictable supernatural events such that you could see them coming or are they, and if they are, are they not then in some sense kind of natural? Well, right. I, I think I think individually you have to work with the divine in such a way that you're able to love that which in your natural state you might find unlovable. Hmm. That's the best I got. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I love that. I totally agree with that. Hmm. Um, I think it's – I think at that point we should call it preternatural. Like it's not normal normal, but it's not super – you know, normal natural, but it's not supernatural. Somewhere it in between. Happens. Yeah. Preternatural. Yeah. Okay. I'll accept that. Uh, I think I don't want to, I don't want to take us down like a metaphysical naturalism, supernaturalism rabbit That's hole. Fun, so, well, I don't think we have time for it. Fine. <laughs> uh, okay. So the question is, what was the, what was the question? Oh, how do we define church unity? Yeah, how do we define church unity? I mean, we did, didn't we already define unity? So we're just tacking on church to it, basically. Yeah, yeah. What does uh, it mean for? That's what I did. Especially when I answered this question. We have slightly different definitions of church, so I feel like that's for right. you, yeah. church unity might be a little bit different. Because I'm trying to say, anyone who's the people of God, how do yeah. they have unity? Yeah, and that's um, a little bit hard. No, I think that's an interesting way to sort of break it down. Uh, for me, again, my definition of church is sort of people who self-understand themselves to be a part of Christianity and doing that. So in that sense, church unity would be uh, a group of Christians or a group of Christian churches or however you want to break down the, the units that sort of, yeah, that, that have a common cause uh-huh. of claiming Christ in some way. And that they don't let their differences get in the way of that common cause. Um, it, I, I almost can't even get that out without feeling so thoroughly uh, disenchanted <laughs> by my experience of the American church, like with regard to that question where, you know, the, at least at the moment, the trend lines are certainly more and more and more toward siloing, tribalism, us versus them. It's all falling along socio-political ideological lines and, and and apparently has very little to do with sort of faith commitments, you know, and and I, I say that's true of the right and the left in my estimation. Uh, I think it's a bit more craven on the right in, in, in areas of the right these days than the left, but I don't think that the left is immune to it by any means. And sure. yeah, so like it's it kind of is making me depressed to think about church unity if not like capital D depressed, but like, oh, Man. it's kind of sapping me of Our motivation. Our show is depressing. <laughs> well, I just think yeah. it's bleak out there right now in, in yeah. that respect. And one one other thing I'll add, which is a problem for my definition or way of thinking about this, is that most of what would unite Christians is like evangelism, right? So something about, you know, spreading the gospel around the world. And you might have a slightly different Catholic, Orthodox, Protestant take on all of that stuff. You get the Pentecostals who are going to want to include the gifts and whatever. But like, I don't care at all about evangelism. Uh, other than I care that I care that healthy churches 
invite people into their lives. And in that sense, I care about evangelism. So maybe I could find it. Maybe I'm talking myself into it. Maybe I could find a way, <laughs> a way into that common cause, That's even funny. though I'm not worried about people's souls going to hell. Uh, I, I still do worry about people's lives being awful. And I do believe that their involvement in the church can facilitate their interaction with the divine and, and as well as with each other and building community and, and uh, filling their lives with more love. Um, so yeah. Yeah, maybe I, maybe I can get behind that. Okay. I'm feeling better about yeah. that aspect. I'm still <laughs> not feeling good about the reality on the ground. <laughs> yeah. I, um, I tend to be probably a lot closer to some of the biblical inerrancy kind of arguments than a lot of people, but it still, yeah. it really irks me when, um, I love all of our guests for the record, for whoever's listening. But when we've had guests who kind of do this, um, well, the Bible's inerrant. The Bible says that the Christians are united and here's how we maintain unity. So unity already exists because exactly what you're talking about. I'm like, well, if this is unity, what the heck is it, you know, disunity look like? Yeah. You don't want to see disunity. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh man. Um, yeah. Um, so, so I'm gonna go a little bit deeper into some of our definitions and then move on. Um, particularly thinking about the salvation aspect, because I think that has to play a part in what we mean by church unity. Um, I'm gonna throw to Dan first, because the people of God and the church are different for you. So can people be saved and not be in the church? Let me ask that first. Yeah. I mean, I'm a universalist. So for me, ah, yeah. for me, where I'm at is like, Either everybody is saved or there's nothing. Those are sort of the two live options in my mind. Of course, I could be wrong about that. Yeah. Um, I can't I can't really make any sense of an infernalist position, which I feel like I don't know if some people take offense to that term. I just think it's so clever. I just love that term. Those <laughs> who believe in an inferno of some sort, I guess. Yeah. Um, you know, I I in my mind, if any creature is at least eternal conscious torment, if any creature is eternally consciously tormented, uh, then the term God being just or loving mm -hmm. or good or holy, like it, it, whatever the meaning of that word is, is so far off of a human definition for that word that we might as well just stop talking about God and stop reading the Bible altogether. I just think the whole thing breaks down. Um, yeah. whereas may, you know, it's possible that annihilation is, annihilationism is true, but it's just true of all of us that, that this is it. This is the thing we get. I really hope that it's not. And I actually think <laughs> yeah, that there's some reason to believe that it's not. I don't think that that reason approaches 90 or 98 or 99% confidence, but I, I think you can make arguments, um, even without recourse to, you know, the inerrancy of scripture or even without, without recourse to special revelation. I think you can argue yeah. that it can be reasonable to, to think there's more after this. And so I hope for that. And if if God is just and if God is powerful enough, then I think there will be uh, uh, another go round for for all creatures. And whatever needs to be done to make things just, then I would just entrust that to God. And uh, maybe that's maybe I'm going to have to pay some of that, you know. And, and if so, then then that'll be just. And I don't think I'll have a problem with it if it, if if I am to be in some sense made aware of how that goes, you know? So that, that's my sense. And so then salvation for me is, is more of a, this worldly question of like salvation is, is more like flourishing um, or to use an Orthodox theological term, it's theosis, right? It is becoming more like God, becoming yeah. more like the picture we have in Jesus. So that's kind of, yeah. that's where I would take it. So if creation is heading that way and you're, you're kind of, you said you were a universalist, so you, God's kind of saving everything. We're going towards justice, um, going to becoming more like God. Eventually, by your belief, everyone will be united anyway. Yeah, I, I that's that's my view. To the ex on days that I can get myself to believe it, that's that's my view. I, yeah. I don't get I don't get any less uh, universalist than that. <laughs> Put it yeah. that way. I get, or I don't get any. Yeah, I someday. Often I just think, oh, that's a fiction that I really want to be true and it uh, solves a bunch of things for me. And then other days I think like, oh, God, you're so amazing. You know, like that's probably true. <laughs> you know, so yeah. I, I go back and forth. But but I think that most of the ways that we tend to think about like, oh, well, truly evil people or, you know, like I, I feel like and I could be wrong. I feel like it's not that hard to sort of 
point to the psychological motivations for that kind of a thing. You know, we need to be in the in-group. I, I think there's a lot of evidence for our ability to sort of make God in our own images and also make the devil in our own image. And lo and behold, God looks like us in our group and the devil looks like them in their group. And, you know, you just see that over and over again. Now, if I believe there was really good evidence for the inerrancy of scripture, well, then I would, of course, have to amend that. And I would have to then think about what a scripture teaches stuff. But I, I'm not convinced by those arguments. I know we're not going to yeah. get into that here. And I, and I don't think we need to. Yeah, um, no. So that's kind of where I'm coming from. Yeah. I, um, yeah. So I, I think just thinking back to like salvation and just kind of like my own thought process of just salvation is kind of becoming one with that unifying spirit of God of working together. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm not a universalist, although I hope universalists are right. I very much yeah. hope universalists are correct. Um, Beautiful. But for me, I think anyone who is saved just by nature of you're becoming one with the spirit of God are should be unified. And the fact that that's not the case to me is part of why I believe salvation is more of a process than a one-time event. Oh, I think you're, I like you're constantly becoming more like God. And that kind of gets to a very similar place of, even though I don't believe universalist to everyone, I think everyone who is in salvation naturally has to be unified at some point. Yeah. TJ. I mean, that sounds like theosis. I don't know if you've spent yeah. a lot of time sort of contrasting the two, but that might be worth looking yeah. at. I, uh, I definitely need to study it further. I've heard it. But I'm just kind of because this conversation is really raw for me too. I'm just kind of like, okay, yeah. maybe what I believe is pretty close to that. I need to do yes, some maybe. research. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, TJ, do you uh, have any input for how your view of salvation um, impacts what you view church unity as? No. <laughs> okay, that's fine. <laughs> Fair enough. TJ, I wish I could get away with hosting a podcast <laughs> the way you do. <laughs> I need to have a co-host for that. You, know, <laughs> yeah, you got to have a straight man to play off of, and I don't have that. So Yeah, it's pretty great. I got some professional jealousy right now. <laughs> you just got to <laughs> get in when you can. <laughs> you just got to know a guy who needs to make his podcast slightly more entertaining. <laughs> yeah, and who talks too much on his own. Yeah. <laughs> Teacher kind of offsets that. Yeah. All right, well. DJ, I, th- I think we're good to move on then. All right. Are you sure? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> okay. I could keep going forever, but that's not wise. <laughs> so, Dan, are there any questions that you always wish to be asked when you get interviewed that we haven't asked you yet? I mean, I saw that question in the prep document, and there aren't really. Like, I, I'm always kind of curious what other people will be curious about. Um and this has been really interesting. So, no, I don't I don't have anything I would wish that you would ask me here. Okay. Well, uh, then I'll come up with one. Uh, <laughs> okay. What is your favorite Sherwood song? Oh, bringing in Sherwood. I think my favorite Sherwood song, and it's changed over time, but I think it is a song called For the Longest Time, which is on our second album and was, I don't know, kind of a single. We didn't really have singles, singles, but... I just think it all kind of came together on that one, even though there are some things I would change about the production, which is my fault. I'm going to throw one too, because I'm disappointed that we didn't talk more about psychology. <laughs> okay. Dan, throw one. Just, just in general, because I, weirdly enough, I don't, I don't know a lot about psychology, but I've read a lot of books about how Christians have handled the topic of psychology. Oh yeah. Interesting. Just because yeah. I find that really interesting. Cause I was like, well, yeah. why of all scientists have we decided to bully this one? <laughs> So oh, I guess that's I don't, my question. I don't think psychologists <laughs> are the only scientists that Christians have had problems with. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Galileo yeah, I, would like a word. Yes, Geologists, yeah. astrologers. Yeah. yeah. But, but I mean, I feel like so much of, especially like when you get like the different views of Christianity and psychology, I'm like, there's a lot of like hostility. And yet a lot of what people mean when they're talking about like pastoral care is a type of psychology. So I'm like, what? Do you just not like the term or like what's going on here? What what has been your experience, I guess, as someone pursuing psychology who is tangentially related to the church, I guess? I I probably conceive of it as a natural consequence of a discomfort with science more broadly. So and and psychology also kind of early on, like the first so Freud is like the teens and twenties, you know, of the 20th century. And kind of getting into the popular lexicon around then, around the Great Depression, stuff like that. I mean, I yeah. could be a slightly off, but <laughs> ish, you know. And 
A lot of the early big popular psychological names were pretty adamantly atheistic uh, or seeing themselves as sort of describing something better than religion could describe it. Yeah. And so that can leave a taste, of course. Um, and so that's a part of it. And then there's the general kind of scientific thing, which is like, depending on the way you, the, depending on the specifics of your Christian worldview, you might just be suspicious of anybody who is claiming to have causal knowledge of things or be able to explain them better or, or whatever. And so yeah. what I find is that churches and individuals who are more broadly open to science are also more broadly open to psychology. Um, but I also think that those kind of popular conceptions, like God is just like a big daddy issue. You know, that's kind of yeah. like a Freud thing. <laughs> like that gets into the popular consciousness. And then if you're a Christian, you're like, well, I, I mean, that doesn't seem true to me. So maybe I don't need to, maybe psychologists are wrong. And unless somebody sort of explains to you the difference between Freud and, and Jung and cognitive therapy and, you know, like you might yeah. just think, oh, Sigmund Freud, like the atheist guy, you know. And, hmm. and so that, that's kind of probably done a lot of work as well. See, that makes a lot of sense. I've always, which I think maybe I just think less of people than I should. I, I for some reason, I've, ha I've had this like assumption that it was like pastors feeling like someone's in like sneaking in on their job, you know, <laughs> like spiritual care and caring for people is supposed to be our thing. And now these guys are coming in. And well, I, I think it, it again, if you're a pastor, it kind of depends on what you think you're doing. Like, what do you yeah. think your job is that God is calling you to do? I think, in my opinion, the best pastors uh, and I found my personal therapist, who is the one who encouraged me to become a therapist through my pastor, my current and former nice. pastor, John Harrelson. And he had a list of, of referrals and I came to him with a problem. He's like, you know what? I don't think this is a problem I can handle. It sounds like therapy would be good. Here's the name of a guy I think you would mesh with really well. And lo and behold, he's been my therapist for 10 years. So, That's awesome. uh, you know, and, and, and so that is ideal. But a lot of pastors think, and I understand why they think this, but a lot of pastors think that they uniquely in a qualitatively different way than everybody else in their congregation or their city have a direct line to God and God's wisdom. And therefore, why would you want anything other than a pastor for the deepest and most difficult questions? If I've got the stuff of God and I'm God's yeah. representative on earth, then I don't see how a therapist is going to do a better job than me. And, you know, I would quibble mm. with that uh, perspective yeah. for reasons I probably arrogant. don't have to <laughs> fill out here. <laughs> yeah. 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 Interesting. Okay. Yeah, I was just kind of curious about, about your take on that. Um, yeah. But one thing we do like to ask all of our guests, and it's going to be, I think, particularly interesting since we actually spent a good chunk of our episode defining church unity. Yeah. We like to ask everybody, like, if you had to give one practical action, something tangible people could go do that would help better engender unity in the church today, what would it be? Watch a documentary about a Christian group or group of people that are very different than you and just watch the whole thing and try and withhold judgment. Just put yourself in their place and imagine if your experience had been their experience and then maybe talk about it with a few people in your church or small group or something like that. Mm. Yeah. Maybe pray for them too. Yeah. Pray yeah. for them. Yeah. yeah. Always a good thing to do for people. Yeah. Link, we'll, link we'll, up, sort of link yeah. up spiritually with them. Yeah. Man. Yeah, we'll uh, we'll publish a uh, whole church approved list of denominations whose documentaries you can watch. Uh, no, we will not. <laughs> Waco does not count. Yeah. Oh gosh. Yeah. So Waco does not count. Yeah. Waco yeah. does not count. Good Maybe documentary. We'll, we'll publish though. a list of things that don't count. <laughs> I mean, there might be like a Chip and Joanna Gaines documentary about yeah. from Waco yeah. that you could that would would count, <laughs> yeah. but just not David Crash. Yeah. Yeah. So, what would be the repercussions in the world around us if everyone? watched a documentary about a different church than theirs. I mean, I think that, you know, I'm, I'm sort of typical liberal or progressive personality type, right? I'm like very open to new experience. I, I want to travel and experience new things. So mm -hmm. part of, part of this whole thing is like kind of that part of my personality. Uh, and I don't think that it's my job or therapist's job or your guys's job to turn everybody into personality liberals. I don't think that that's <laughs> what we're here to yeah. do. No. Um, but I think that, but I think that one of the main streams in Jesus's teaching is to sort of dislodge the, the calcification of like, well, we are 
God's chosen people. We don't need the Samaritans. We don't need, you know, uh-huh. whoever the sort of outgroup is, you know, God can raise children from these stones. And 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 sort of like when when Jesus is asked, who's my neighbor by some clever, clever scholar, Jesus tells the Good Samaritan parable. Uh, yeah. It is it is literally the person you don't think it is. That's your neighbor. So yeah. I think it, it broadly lines up with something like that of, of imagining yeah. our neighbors as ourselves in some way. So I think if everybody did that, then we would be at least somewhat more likely to live out the Sermon on the Mount. Mm, man. Yeah. Wouldn't that be nice? Wouldn't mm-hmm. that be nice? So before we wrap up we like to ask everyone to share a moment that they saw god in recently whether that be a blessing a challenge a moment of worship uh i always make josh go first and uh, seeing as this week he hasn't abandoned me and is here to be on his show i will be making your him show. go first your show but yeah. um i last weekend got to officiate a wedding um it's only the second i've ever done i don't really do that but um there were some dear friends of mine, so I was happy to do it. And um, just talking about the story of their love, the story of what is love, and just kind of exploring that. And for a moment, I had to go get my clothes before I left. Uh, I didn't leave after everybody else, so some of the reception was still going on. And just when I walked back to my car, seeing people through the window who were dancing, just having a good time, there was just this moment where I had to stop and just take in the joy that people were having and just realize, man. God made a pretty good place. Good's a fun yeah. word today. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The wedding was from one of our patrons, so shout out Russell. <laughs> True. Yeah. Just thought that little, was necessary, little, yeah. Little whole church fun fact, I've been to half of the weddings that Josh has officiated. Yeah. Also, nice. if you're a patron, was, I'll do a wedding for you. <laughs> I was supposed to be at both, for the record. The other one was just too far away. But uh, for me, my God moment... Uh, just recently attended my, I'm not sure how common this is. I've lived in the mm. South my whole life, but I've never heard of a wedding cookout before. Perfect. Uh, attended my cousin's wedding cookout. It's like a wedding shower, which uh, a bunch of people also were not aware exist. Mm. Uh, it's like a baby shower before a wedding. But uh, it was great to be able to see so much of my family that I don't normally get to see. My, you know, my cousin's cousin's. Are still my cousins. <laughs> yeah. So nice to see them and to celebrate my actual cousin uh, and his special day, which is coming up, and to get to be able to spend time with them and, you know, shower them with gifts for their wedding. It's such a nice, humbling experience. It's just great to see happen. Nice. TJ, has anyone ever told you that you are like a white Lakeith Stanfield? The actor? Not yet. Actually, maybe. <laughs> Have you seen Atlanta, his character in Atlanta especially? Yeah. Do you see what I'm do you see what I'm getting yeah, at? Not, yeah, yeah, I get it. Okay. You like your sense of humor and your <laughs> like you talk like him if I close my eyes and kind of see him. Okay. Southern. Good there job. you go. Nice. <laughs> so uh, this is maybe not the most recent one, uh, but like I've been trying to in the moment sort of express gratitude and or awe when mm-hmm. when whichever one it is and I, I did a live event a year permission event in seattle in march and during our final panel of the day i had four of my best friends on stage with me and you know many other friends in, in the audience and a bunch of people i didn't know a bunch of people i was about to meet or had met that day and just like i, I allowed myself like I took 60 seconds and I didn't listen to Trip, you know, talk about something because I'd probably <laughs> heard it before. And I just like looked out at everyone and I sort of addressed God and just was like, I'm just soaking this up. Like I, this is so cool. It's just cool that people would want to be here, that this could be useful for them. Um, I didn't make any money. It was not about the money. <laughs> it probably cost <laughs> me money to put that on. But like, it was just cool. It was just like encouraging yeah. and uh, just felt like, I don't know, constructive. And I felt like just so, so blessed and happy to be a part of that in that moment. Yeah. So that was my, that's a recent one. It really was an incredible panel, by the way. If oh, it had been you. in Charlotte, I might've been, 
Yeah. Well, it's a Seattle's little... a bit of a drive, you know. I know. I'm gonna do. I'll do some. I'll do some more stuff yeah. around the country at some point. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'd like to take a brief intermission to admit that I did get sidetracked trying to remember where else I saw the Keith Stanfield. Um, <laughs> Judas and the Black Horseman. Messiah. Oh, yeah, Bojack Horseman. Right. Yeah, he was really? in Bojack Horseman for a little bit. Fascinating. Oh, nice. uh, okay. Also, Great the show. Eric Andre show and Yasuke, the Netflix animator. He was Yasuke. He's done. I mean, that one I don't know. Yeah. He might be my. Bad. He's he's of my, among my top five favorite actors. He's also in Sorry to Bother You. The yeah, film. yeah, yeah that film is so great. Hmm. But uh, if you enjoyed the episode and are listening, uh, please consider sharing it with a friend or an enemy. Share it with a cousin. Share it with one of my cousins. Yeah, they're not busy. Yeah, uh, preferably because it's more likely to share it than other people. You think, right? So yeah. you can also check out. Uh, discord chat with us on our discord server in the notes we'd love to get some higher activity over there and if you're listening to the show on captivate uh go ahead and leave us a one-time tip yeah. you know it's a pain to manage a subscription uh, and we know that a lot of you would support the show if it were simpler and you wouldn't have to you know do it go back cancel that ten dollars uh, yeah so if you are feeling generous there is a one-time tip option on captivate yeah yeah also our website has, has that captivate thing there but yeah and if you want to hear other shows like ours just check out the amazon ministries podcast network in the show notes we'll have uh, links to all that as well right we hope you enjoyed it come back next week when we will have steve copeland joining us uh, then we'll interview russ petrus and elizabeth donnelly from catholic women preach about their ministry after that we'll have another roundtable discussion which are my favorite episodes to record uh, this time <laughs> asking how the church is different from a cult and finally, at the end of season one, Francis Chan will be joining us. Even though he doesn't know it yet, and I think we've had more critics of Francis Chan than proponents of him, but that's fine. Yes. <laughs> he loves that, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we are the whole church. Yeah. Come on, Francis. You gotta, gotta be a little understanding. <laughs> Needs to be more ubiquitous. Thank you for listening to the Whole Church Podcast. We hope you enjoyed the show. Remember, you can always sponsor our show at patreon.com forward slash the whole church podcast.